We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Mike, and we're recording morning after uh, Lakers preseason game on Wednesday night, so we're recording Thursday morning before media availability. Um, and Mike, didn't get your thoughts on last night's game. I had my rewatch this morning, which sometimes those are more cathartic than others. And this was one of those times I was very irritated last night. Um, and last night was the first game where we came off of it and it wasn't, it wasn't good vibes at the end of it, right? Like we came off of it with feeling like, ah, this didn't look good for a number of reasons. You always have a, a unique perspective on this. I'm curious on your thoughts from last night's game. Wasn't much better in the building, Pete. It was, <laughs> it did feel like last year and that was not a good feeling right within the course of the uh, crypto.com arena and just the vibe around the team. I, I think there are a couple things and you and Darius hit on several of them as a longtime listener. Uh, I did catch the pod earlier this morning. And <laughs> one of the first things that you guys discussed is, is of course close to my heart and it's just being small. And when I was the other day, you, I was kind of getting excited about certain aspects of some of the guards and the pressure guards that you like to talk about. And you've explained eloquently many times, but that doesn't mean that you have to play four of them together. Correct. <laughs> and, and that's, I know not what you've been advocating for either. And right. at first I had missed in the pregame, I think I was tweeting or something and I had missed Darvin Ham talking about Juan Toscano Anderson. Cause uh, we know that he was out because of a, essentially a bruised back. He took a fall in golden state and this just goes, though, to my point before we started to get into the feeling good of how the first four preseason games went in like the collective energy and the ball not sticking and guys playing defense. And it's like, oh, and Darvin Ham deserving credit for that. But it gets back to the roster and the lack of depth on the wing. And for the game, let's say a back to back or something that LeBron might not play here and there. And it just last night just showed how incredibly thin that margin is. And instead of playing a guy that maybe isn't as good of a player, but just has size and playing the better players, which are the guards. But I think especially against that Timberwolves team who tend, who tends bigger, even without their two centers, mm -hmm. 
it's just it's just not a good mix. It's too small and it's too easy to take advantage of. And so forget all the missed shots last night. That happens sometimes. I know that 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 can be irritating for guys themselves to miss shots for fans to watch. It was just the lack of defense and the lack lack of kind of grit and how that went in accordance with what was happening on offense. So that was one major theme. And the other one, Pete, the, what I thought kind of caused more of the energy flow to change within the team was that certain guys just going and kind of playing themselves, playing for themselves and taking possessions for themselves. It was both Westbrook and Beverly early. Um, and then shooter when he came in and trying to find his stuff. And, and, and meanwhile, LeBron and AD are out there being efficient, but not always being included in the possessions. And that was the part that reminded me of last year that was ugly. One of the really cathartic things about watching the game again this morning was your point about being small. By my count, we played about 10 minutes where we either played four guard lineups. I'm talking like Russell Westbrook at the four or Matt Ryan at the four, which is essentially and functionally the same type of thing with AD at the five. Right. Yeah, with and, Reeves at the three. At, right. At the lowest. Right. Yeah. So you're small across the board. And it's your point. You don't have to play all of them and you don't have to play all of them at the same time. And so we played about 10 minutes of that and we were minus 15 in those minutes. So even with those shot with those shots not falling, if you just play functional lineups like to me, these are the types of self-inflicted wounds that I've been really happy about up to till this point. And Part of the alarm that was raised with yesterday's that was advertised as the dress rehearsal type of game. And it's like, yo, if we're playing four guard lineups, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. And it, it's nothing against any of those four guards. It's just that you just can't function properly, especially on the defensive end to be able to yeah. get stops. It's just it's not it's not that complicated. I mean, the only way for any lineup like that to work is if you're is if on you're basically making way up for what you're giving up on defense by getting wide open shots because you're quick and you're moving around the perimeter and guys are cutting and quick passing and you know essentially they can't guard you but right. that to me that equation in NBA history has not proven to be the thing that works the thing that wins the, the size and the the defensive shape and the solidity there and even some mm-hmm. of the size then on offense is it's just better so I've like I just think there's this difference, this, this uh, disassociation between being athletic and small and spread and shooting and, and spacing out and then literally being short. And, you know, it just doesn't there's dissonance there. And that's yeah. what we saw last night. But it was one game. I'm sure that the coaches are watching it on the tape. And again, we know part of the reasons why they played that way with JTA out. But, you know, and I, they wanted to look and get shooter some minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. And then now maybe looking at that, it's OK, well, we can't play all six of these guys. But now we got to look at, at Dennis. Here's how we want to start the season. I think there are some of the guards that have looked clearly better than others. And I could give you the four if you wanted. that I think should play. And I'm guessing G- give you me could the, too. Give me the four, Mike. Give me the four. Well, I, th- I think that in this context, right, like I I don't I guess I'm just going to rip the bandaid right off with it. But I would <laughs> I would go back to this to the starting lineup. And, you know, I don't know that how Russ is playing right now would have him be one of those four. And so that leaves you with Beverly and that leaves you with Reeves and certainly Lonnie Walker. Uh, we'll see how the ankle is doing. Um, and then you're essentially you got that one spot left and shooter, I still think, needs a little bit more time to sort of learn what's going on within the system uh, and to, you know, to to integrate a little bit more. I thought you and Darius made some really good points towards that end. And then, so that of course leaves Kendrick Nunn. 
And so right now, I would say Westbrook and Schroeder are probably the two of the more accomplished guys like, like to start the season. But that's not mm-hmm. going to happen, right? It, right? it does It does seem like it's going to be um, Westbrook to start the season. And so that's what it is right now. Well, and one of the things, too, I think is we talk about the starting lineup uh, disproportionate to the other lineups in that, like, the starters actually played pretty well. And I thought Darvin's rotation was interesting in that respect in that they started the second quarter, too. The guys, the group of five, the Pat Bev, Lonnie, Russ, LeBron and AD started the first, second and third quarters and all of their shifts were pretty good. They were like LeBron was a plus 10 in the game overall and the starters in particular, that group did well. Yeah. And Walker me, started out hot, right? Walker, yeah, Walker was fantastic. Shots. Yeah. Walker is one of the guys that I, I want to have uh, Darius here for this conversation, but like there's a, what we thought at the beginning of training camp versus what we think now conversation to be had. And Walker's one of the guys that really pings for me is like, Oh, he's more on my radar. Like, okay, I see how that works. And, but a lot of it is that like athletic downhill type of guard that Russ is supposed to fill. Russ was interesting on the rewatch in that he competed pretty well with this, with the starting groups. Right. And he had several plays where he was, you know, wrestling with McDaniels had some tap outs where he didn't get credit for the rebound, but he was a big part of the reason we got possession. He played hard, certainly flawed, but he played hard and and engaged. But when we got into those second groups, like you were talking about, like the idea of spacing teams out and, you know, even if you're short, like at least offensively, you can get some offensive production when you go small like that. But in some ways, that's a worst of both worlds when it's Dennis and Russ out there because both are, especially Russ, like below average shooters to where it's like, oh, well, we're not sniping from outside from every spot. And so those four guard lineups really went awry. Like we have some they're the makings of a quality team on this team. And I think we saw that in the first four preseason games in particular. It's like, hey, that was good basketball. It's not championship basketball. We don't have the roster for that. But they were playing well and it had that life and spirit. Yeah. And this, of course, is not about last night, though. This is about what we've seen for a a time now. And that's the feelings that were coming back with some of that energy. Some of it was on the court and some of it was just rising for an above the break three. That's not a good shot for us. It's just not. And then doing it again on the next possession when the team when the team is playing pretty well overall and doing fine. Just those are the kind of why moments for us coming into the season. We've talked about this off uh, off the air several times. There's this whole idea of, okay, Darvin Ham's coming in and, you know, a new system and a new start and a new fresh start. But once the basketball starts and the other team is out there, we all revert to at least some level of the way that we feel and know the game. And Mm -hmm. this way for Russ is not how he knows basketball. He took three shots in 25 minutes. When he he had, I think he did have four assists, but he also had three turnovers. So he's not he's not playing the way that he grew up playing and that he likes to play. And that's not going to happen on this team. And I don't know where that's going to happen, period. And so if he's not playing that way and we can we can have a different discussion about the efficiency of that and whether or not that can get a team to to where it needs to be. Um, I think that question has been answered as well in the previous couple of stints. But then it's not that valuable within that group with LeBron out there with Lonnie Walker as that, as another bigger kind of secondary athletic guard um, who, but who can shoot threes and who is showing a willingness to defend. So then what is the efficacy of having Russ with that group? 
because you're not getting a plus right. on the defensive end. I mean, for me, that's the spot where a lot of the good teams have that, a guy there. That's the three and D spot. That's that's the or the bit or the even a four um, in a sense, but some mm-hmm. something different. And th- that could be JTA could fit into that spot better. I mean, Max Christie, honestly, yeah. there's some things that I'd rather just for the defense. And sure, if he, if he misses the occasional three, well, that's OK. You're But you're getting the role player stuff. You're getting the rebounding. You're getting the hustle. You know, uh, there are uh, Austin Reeves. He's smaller, but there are certain things that he'll do there. And he's perfectly happy if he doesn't have to have the ball in create in, in those situations. Wenyan Gabriel, you know, there. Uh, let's see. I mean, even in the case of uh, we haven't gotten to see Troy Brown Jr. yet, but there are mm-hmm. there are options just for a player type within that that I think just fit better. And instead, it's like trying to. Uh, and I get why. I get all the reasons why. And I get even starting the season. But last when that starts to not when that chain starts to break that's when some of those feelings get back about what things were like last year and why the fit didn't work last year. And I personally thought that 21 games was plenty of time to evaluate what that was. And I thought that all different types of lineups were used last year and it was small. It was you. So we've been over all this before and that's why I'm sitting in the building just kind of like, all right, here we go again. And I think that was part of what the feeling is. I do think, I don't think it's going to keep like last uh, how it how it was, and I do think there are ways right. they can turn it, but that's to me part of what those those feelings in the building were. So, a couple things there. I, I think the point about how Russ is being asked to do a job that is not what he does. Like it's just a different player type. The there's not a need for him to have the ball at. 35% usage, 40% usage like he was once during his career. And so to me, it's less of a matter of him being super detrimental to the lineups that like, because it's not a matter of him being super detrimental to functional lineups, right? Like the lineups that were bad were the four guard lineups that it wasn't just him, right? Like that's It's a matter of the overall structure of that group can't really function. Like you mentioned the 21 games, right? That Oh, we got to see plenty of that in terms of how it fits. I thought the basketball with the functional groups was okay and has been in the groups well, that Russ has played in. It's let me push back on that a little though. That that starting group, LeBron was playing efficiently and and well and had good energy and pop. AD was mm-hmm. getting some stuff done. Lonnie Walker started out hot. That team should have been up by ten, and they should and have they, been, and they weren't because Russ and Pat Beverly were doing different things and they weren't playing into that. They were. It, I, that's what. That's what I thought. I thought there was a disconnect, and that the score shouldn't have been, you know, up by one, up by two. It had instead of taking two above the break threes, dribble penetration, kick, maybe get LeBron another look, something like that. Instead of instead of forcing offense in a certain way. So I just the way that that team could have been successful was not by was not lining up with the way that the the backcourt was playing and seeing the game. To me, the reason why we weren't up by more against that group was because of the defensive end. And part of that is a function of scheme, like Nas Reed's snapping threes at the top of the key where AD's dropped back in the paint. Like, that's a shot that we're going to give up. And eventually AD presses forward on that. But we had 30 points at the end of the first quarter. It was not like a matter of – and it, in the first half, like we scored – fine. It was more of a matter of on the defensive end. And of course, Russ is part of that. There are a couple of plays where, you know, he's asked to guard a forward and do forward things and he's not a forward. Uh, So, but for me, it's, it's way more on the defensive end. But defense is connected to offense. And when there are offensive choices that are made that are not, that are not uh, ideal, 
then the collective energy on defense is going to go down, especially when you have players like LeBron and AD who know what the good offense is and are then like, okay, well, two pull up above the break threes and stepping out of the bounce. And now I got to go back in a preseason game and like and defend at a high level. It, mm-hmm. it disrupts the flow of the team. It's not so much about offense, defense, and they shot, they scored the ball enough. Well, you know, yes, that's, that's just part of what is to be expected. And that's part of what happened last year too. There were plenty of times where that team scored the basketball just fine. And particularly mm-hmm. LeBron who averaged 30 points on a super efficient evening, but they, the, the energy to go back on defense, which is what they did play with the first four games of the preseason that's the part that wasn't there. And I think yeah. that those things are related. They certainly are. I think that we have a more similar opinion on this, although for slightly different reasons. And so let's uh, talk about the consequences of that. Let's take a break, come back, get into that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I would have been very surprised to hear myself say this two months ago, but with the roster that we have, I think we have about 10 serious defenders. And really, that's what it comes down to with this team is I I don't think it's particularly complicated. We need to play credible defense and we have enough offensive talent to be able to succeed if we play credible defense. And I think we have enough credible defenders to play credible defense. What I would be surprised to have heard myself say two months ago is that I think we'd be perfectly fine sending Russ home if it comes to that point. I think this team is actually built to be able to manage that and that you've got your two stars and you've got a couple of secondary scorers in Nunn and Walker who fill that skill guard type of uh that void that I think fits very well alongside LeBron and AD. And if you have four or five scores, four or five guys, and we do that can get double digits between Walker, Nunn and Schroeder, those are all 15 point per game type of guys. If you've got that along with a couple of superstars and then some dirty work guys that can defend, you're a good team. Now you're not all the way there. And again, we've talked about so much about a potential Russ trade and all of that. But I think the point is that what Russ does is not something that we need, even if he plays fine, even if it's all of that, it's like, he's going to have three to five, like you don't need him to have the ball all that much. And that's what he does. And so I think that we are structurally capable of proceeding as a good team, looking, still looking for a trade without him. Yeah, I agree with that. I guess it comes down to really Darvin Ham and some combination of Darvin and Rob Palenka. 
um, who seemed to have a really good working relationship. Uh, I saw him just chatting before the game for a good 15 minutes on the bench. Uh, they, of course, spent a lot of time together at the facility. And and I'm sure they're trying to figure all of that out. And, and not not speaking directly about Russ, but just the whole team and the whole balance and what what's the best mm-hmm. group going to be. And, you know, Pete, this is where those first four preseason games, I would have loved to have seen the full dress rehearsal in game one. Not, I'm not saying like the full minutes, but because now there's one preseason game left and mm-hmm. it's just, I get it with the rest plan. And I, it's, it's kind of like, I'm not blaming the situation. It's just that this is where the NBA has evolved, where vets aren't, are only going to play so many minutes. But when that game one goes off against golden state, they know exactly who they're playing. Draymond's playing. They know exactly what their rotation is going to be. They know exactly what their system is. And the Lakers don't. They don't know their best rotation. They don't know who should come in when. They don't know exactly how many minutes certain guys should play. And that's a disadvantage that you expected, of course, but hoped that the preseason would have allowed for some more clearing up. And it just hasn't for a couple of different reasons. And that's going to be, it's just a straight disadvantage. And it doesn't mean you can't win that game and do it kind of in other mm-hmm. ways. And uh, they're happy to get ring night. Oh, look, look what Draymond just looked at Jordan Poole a certain way after that missed defensive rotation. <laughs> you know, uh, Pat Bev just just completely going way too far over the top to try and manipulate that. You know, there's whatever. There's stuff that can happen, but <laughs> it's yeah, it's a disadvantage to start the season. Then you get the Clippers. Same thing. Full, almost mm-hmm. full continuity. Have their system. Know what their rotation is going to be. And even if they've got a couple of guys who should be playing that are going to be out of rotation because they go so deep. But and I just was hoping that gap could have been made up for a little bit further than it has. Well, what do we know at this point? Because I think we had so much to know from the beginning of this uh, training camp until now, as opposed to the other teams that, that you've mentioned, that I think we have learned some things. I actually have some things that in my mind, for example, Kendrick Nunn, to me, I think is a really good sixth man type of score. I think that that's the right role for him. And so there are a couple of spots where it's kind of like locked in that, hey, this guy should play here. Or this guy fits with these couple of guys. Is there anything amongst this group that you that you feel like you have figured out since the beginning of camp? This is where we have to get into some subtlety because I do with, I do think that it's pretty clear about who should play and when and where, but I don't think that's what can happen yet. Because of other factors. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's, it's all the first part of the pod that we just spent talking about. Like there are certain, Mm -hmm. there's a certain part of this that can function in a certain way, you know, but when you're still trying to figure out how to, how to stick Russ into that equation, um, you know, given that he's not going to just play defense and shoot threes and kind of attack downhill once in a while. And then, uh, yeah, that's the part that that's the part to me that remains it seems like it's just going to have to play itself out over the over a little bit more time. Like they're not going to just look at last night's preseason game and say, OK, that's not going to work. You know, let's try something different, whether it's him in a different role off the bench. Like, but then let's say, Pete, if none is off the bench and Westbrook comes in off the bench, well, well, then what? You know, you give him the ball and you have every I don't know what that role is specifically either. And that's going to take some mm-hmm. time. So that to me is the part of it that that doesn't necessarily fit what the rest of the system is in, in terms of what we've learned since the beginning of camp. I want to turn our attention to the five spot. AD looks like he's going to be starting at the five. And 
which is a bit of a surprise, and we've covered that a bit. But one of the things I've noticed from both Jones and TB is that neither of them are particularly good defenders. Now, I didn't have that expectation going into the season. That's something they've illustrated before. But Jones can block some shots, but he's foul prone. He can be out of position at times. And TB is more prone to being in the correct position, but guys can go right over the top of him. And that is so important in this scheme in particular, the ability to protect that the rim and be that last line of defense that can jump off of a back pedal and all of that. They're not Brooke Lopez with the with the size and the length, or even if he's in a drop, he's a big deterrence at the rim at least. Right, exactly. Or and, and Lopez has great anticipation yeah. because he's not a great athlete or leaper either. But no, he's, he's, all, he's know, also just a lot bigger. Yeah, he's a bigger yeah. person. Exactly. Yeah. And and so all of that combines to where that five spot, it's so necessary that you have rim protection at that spot that in some ways it's I don't think that's where Darwin wanted to go at the beginning of beginning of camp. Uh, but Agreed. I think that the yeah. right. I think it's, the it's fact like that the like, only, this is the only way that we can really. Yeah. The best, the best chance to win games basically is by is just having to start there because otherwise they're going to be starting at a bit of a disadvantage. That's right. And so if you're going to be a little bit smaller there, you have to be bigger at the other positions. Whenever we talk it about AD at the five, there's so much focus on him at the five spot, not necessarily the other spots. And so obviously LeBron's going to have that other spot locked up, but this is where forwards come into play, right? It's not when you go small, we were talking last night, the idea of like, if you're going to have a three guard lineup, normally you're going to have two bigger guys at the four and five. That's more of a balanced type of group. But if you're small in both places and especially in the middle of the game lineups, I really want to focus on those more. There were so many groups where AD was surrounded by just like Russ and Dennis and Kendrick and Austin and or Matt Ryan and where he's really the only guy that does the things that he does. And it's just it's a big ask on AD. And so that's, again, why, why I think your JTAs and your Wenyans and uh, those guys are especially important because I think AD needs some help doing big man stuff, even if he's playing the five. I think we need more guys that, that can do that. <sighs> undoubtedly and yet right there's only so many on the mm-hmm. roster that can do that and when you saw when Juan Toscano Anderson gets nicked up a little bit that all you really have left there is Gabriel and that's in part because so even thinking of some of the other three slash fours well you know Cole Swider is not going to give you that type of presence neither mm-hmm. is Matt Ryan right they're mm-hmm. kind of their focus at this point in their careers is more on the shooting. And of course they're very much trying to compete. They just don't have that NBA length and athleticism that is going to be required against a team. That's got athletes like the Timberwolves, especially. And one thing I want to, I want to enter the, into this as well, Pete, because this is when we're doing the night after pods, it's always hard to look past that immediate game that we just saw, but Minnesota was particularly excited to be playing without their centers and now Nas Reed, who is <laughs> who's first of all is a good player, but he was yes, super he was. hyped um, to be the one that was actually starting. And so when Gobert and Towns are out there, and by the way, they haven't played yet together, it's a totally different Wolves team, and those guys aren't going to get aren't going to just be able to play the way that they played. So I thought that's where you get back to the first quarter, and I thought the Lakers actually came out fine uh, up until the point where it got later and, and there were a couple of those decisions made about where to shoot. And then that translated to defense and then all the other shots started missing, but mm-hmm. the wolves energy I, I did think was kind of in particularly contrasted to what the Lakers roster limitations were yesterday. And I don't, I think there are going to be a lot of games where that doesn't come into fe- to play as much, 
but they uh and they also the guards that they played that had the ball were all big as well like Jalen Noel coming off the bench is pretty big mm-hmm. D'Lo can always get that shot over the top Edwards is a super physical player and and then Anderson and Reed and McDaniels all have the length where if it's not Anthony Davis and if it's preseason LeBron that they're going to be able to to get something out of that too so I did think that it was a mix of matchup and the energy that Minnesota had to be able to play in a little bit different of a style than they'll usually play factored into last night's game as well. Certainly, but that bigger personnel in on the perimeter outside of the Jalen Noel, the D'Lo, Edwards, Anderson, McDaniels, all those guys have a enough size to where if you don't have that on the other end of things, right. then you're in a, in a tough spot. And so – Bringing it back to the five conversation and being becoming a little bit bigger, one of the things that I think can help because I don't think I think Jones and, and TB are both a good deal better than the fives that we had last year. But I think that in we've talked so much about what AD needs. I think they need AD next to him when like when those guys play like a TB AD type of lineup, a Jones AD type of lineup where they're not the only person kind of responsible for that on the defensive end. But again, that has the domino effect. So AD just needs to be on the court for about 48 minutes then? No, 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 no. It's not it's not a matter of that. It's just a matter of so like in the groups that uh, or Wenyon, for example, right? Wenyon's another guy. I think we need more two big type of groups where Darbin is, uh, again, with the guard situation, has trended toward being particularly small at the three and four spots where we don't have to be. I guess that's what I'm trying to get to is that what's different about this as opposed to last year is that we don't have to go this route. Like it's not like, well, there's nothing else on the roster. There's nowhere to go. We've got other guys and other ways to look that going so small unnecessarily was, is concerning to me, but I think that we have ways to get something out of the five spot in uh, like moments in, in shifts where we can get moments there here and there that can be effective in ways that wasn't the case last year. So which four guards, I gave you my names earlier, which four guards would you play? And and I would allow for, you know, the occasional fifth guard to come in in certain lineups if you've got the two bigs out there. But what what is your four? Uh, Austin, Nunn, Pat Bev, and Lonnie. Okay, so same as me. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah. and then Shooter being kind of the switch up curveball if you need a little bit of extra or no. Shooter... I need to watch a little more shooter with this group. Um, the thing that, again, that really stood out to me last night is just his catch and hold tendencies and that he's not a guy that's like, like this, when this offense is, is operating correctly, it has a flow and a pop and a rhythm to it that he can be a little bit of a rhythm breaker on that. True. I will say that for me, at least he's almost always going to defend though. Yes. And he's always going to pressure the ball and he's always going to scrap. But and that's where I think you have to lean into. And you said this on the pod with Darius, like you have to lean into him getting more acclimated to the system. And and just in the way that they're trying to do it with Russ, well, maybe Darvin with the five years that he had with Dennis can say with difficulty, because Dennis just came from having the basketball for the whole game with Germany. Right. Mm -hmm. In a totally different context. But I also think that he he's got to be at least somewhat aware of, you know, his current standing in the NBA and, and kind of how he can turn himself into this player uh, that a little bit more drive and kick North South, right. Mm-hmm. He does have that. He's got that physique to be able to play like that. 
And mm-hmm. so maybe that can evolve. But but right now, it's I, I think that's got to come some more in practice, right, than in kind of figuring sure. out games. And so that's where I would – that's, I think, probably why both of us would have him out of that initial initial group. But I'm just – I'm allowing for some upside there with him. For sure. And we don't have to go with four. I mean, we went with six last night. So four is more of a theoretical didn't question. Didn't love the than six, though. What's that? <laughs> didn't love the six. And so I think that that like five, let's at least let's try five. I think that's a place in between where Dennis would be the, the guy there. I do want to give you one positive, though, from being there and, and just being close is that the pop that LeBron has. I was worried that another offseason and another year and, and just this ridiculous father time battle that he continues to win. But he looks pretty sharp, looks pretty fresh, you know, and that's that's still mm-hmm. the most important thing. I think that A.D. is still getting into that full kind of game as well. He should be. He hasn't been playing a ton of five on five basketball, but like his in terms of movement Pretty good, like not great. Yeah. I think the thing when everyone said, oh, AD looked amazing in Golden State. For me, it was more that he just shot the ball really well. And that mm-hmm. looked really smooth. And the, he was eight for eight from the free throw line. He made a couple of threes. But the the specific movement, I still think he's figuring out, okay, the drop coverage. And then his body is still bigger. His body is not, he didn't like lose 10 yeah. pounds in the offseason to get back to that early career AD. He is still a little bit bulkier. So just two physical observations. But the one that is, I think, most encouraging is that LeBron um, – just somehow seems ready again physically to match what he did last year. Just incredible. It's sad that last year went the way that it did because in a different circumstance, we would have been marveling more on what he did in year 19. Like if you look at his year 19 versus other year 19s amongst Hall of Famers, it's just like any of them, any of them ever. And now there are only nine other ones, as I've said a few times to compare to in year 20. Um, and like Kobe and Dirk and, and some other guys, but Carl uh, Malone, but Kareem. But yeah, he's he's a big, big time step ahead of everybody else. Yeah, there, none of them were legit number one guys at that point in their career. So just remarkable that he's able to do what he's doing. And I agree with you on AD too. Like, I think that he's, that's something I have my eye on is just his movement and how he moves. And uh, if you go back and watch those 1920 highlights, you see like, oh, wow, AD is weighs several pounds less and he's a lot faster. And, and with that said, you know, 27 minutes 19 points, 13 boards, two blocks, two steals, three assists and seven for 11. So it's that that's the kind of the my my overarching point about AD is is that four versus five versus in best shape versus not like if he's on the floor, he's he's just going to be extremely productive. Put guys who can defend around those two dudes, man. Yeah. Put, we got a couple of guys that can put the ball in the bucket that uh, that can defend at a competent level. And that's what you need from those guys that are going to get you 15 a game. You don't need them to be your lockdown guys. You need them to just do your job, be solid. But we do have other guys that are that's what they do. They're really good at it. And right. that's why they're in the league. And so to me, it's about just finding that right shape of the team. And I I think that as down as we've been from this game, uh, I, I think that there's a lot to work with and a lot to be excited about. Uh, very curious what we do on Friday. I hope we take it as a serious dress rehearsal as well. So, all right, everybody have a good weekend. We will be back on Monday to probably preview the Western Conference and then we're at it. We got a game, a real life regular season game on Tuesday. Uh, but until next week, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers.
Seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble. And banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? Ew, seriously. They squeeze the grease out of the wool and process it with chemicals, and then you eat it. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I got rid of products I didn't want anywhere near my body. I found that many multivitamins contain high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and even lacked some of the nutrients we actually needed. So what did I do? At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. Ritual's products are made traceable, meaning we share the science and sourcing for every single ingredient. For example, our vegan vitamin D3 comes from sustainably harvested lichen in Nottingham, England, not sheep. We trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. See for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.